Want to stand and say hello to one another? Well, that's, that's really good, folks. <clears throat> that's really good. Hello. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Okay. 1, 2, 3, 4. Well, you'll be able to pick that up after church. And I really do encourage you to have a coffee afterwards. It's a, um, a, just a great time to continue those sort of connections. Can I, can I say how, how good it is to um, just see the life in, in the, and the energy in our worship? Um, I, I want to say, um, don't waste your youth. When you start to get a bit older and you can't do some of the things that you once used to be able to do, I'm not saying I can't do 30 press-ups. But when you can't dance like you once used to be able to dance and you wish you were 25 or 15, um, if you are 15 or 25 or 35, don't waste it. Just go for it. Push the limits. Enjoy God. God wants to just release so much more upon us. We've got things that we can tell you in the, in the coming, coming weeks, but he really does. This time is so precious because the anointing is growing here, and I want to just talk about the anointing a little bit. Can we just bring up the text that I'm, I'm using today, or did I not give you a... Oh, my computer's been... My computer's been... I've, I've, sorry, I won't... I'll take that back. I was going to blame my computer, and it is the computer's fault, but... I need Carl. I'm, I'm preaching from Matthew chapter 6, so if you have a phone or, or you have a, 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 an actual um, hardcover, um, open it up, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, he's just been talking about money, and he says you can't, you can't serve two, two masters. All right? And then he goes into this passage. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about clothes? Can I get an amen, men? Why do you worry about clothes? Yesterday's clothes, last year's clothes are good. Can I get an amen? Why do you worry about... It's in the script. I'm just reading. It's you following along. You know it's there. Why do you worry about clothes? I've lost my place. You have little faith. So do not 
um, worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? When I was, um, felt God say to me, go to Bible college, I, I took a tent and I tramped out into the Waitakere's for the night and it was wet and I, I ended up soaked but I'm in the tent and I start praying and I say God do you want me to go to Bible college and he said yes he told me what Bible college to go just went bang into my mind wrote it down and I said okay God I haven't got much money can you afford me and he gave me the scripture so I wrote it exactly down this is a special scripture to me he says why do you worry about clothes oh no we went past that what shall, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, would you say all these things, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. What an incredible, incredible promise. Have a look at what it says there. It says if we seek first his kingdom, everything else will be given. Because God knows we need clothes. Women, God knows we need clothes and shoes. Shoes. We need them. New. Higher. Sparklier. Lovelier. We need makeup. We, we need all that stuff. God knows we need all that. We need a car. We need to be able to get to work. We've got to have all the stuff that's needed. He says... If you seek my kingdom first, all the shoes and the car and the other stuff, I'll give them to you. You'll get those in your life because you need that. We don't want you going naked to work. That's not the scene. You need to look good. You need to be nice. You need to be well-dressed. All sorts of supernatural things. There'll be provision. There'll be extra that will come your way. There'll be, there'll be um, shopping bargains that will come your way. Now, who would turn down a promise like that? What crazy person would ever turn down a promise from heaven like that? But the sad reality is a lot of us turn down that promise because we're not thinking about a kingdom. What's the key to it? The kingdom. Can I tell you about a man who, who missed 96% of what it is to be a Christian? God told him that. He preached here about 18 months ago. His name was Nick White. He's a man, a businessman from Oxford Baptist Church. And he said he'd, he, was, he considered himself a Christian. He, he was a businessman, therefore he couldn't be in church each Sunday. Um, he was busy. He, he was tired. And Sundays would come and he couldn't come. But he was what you would call a normal, nominal or lukewarm. Do you know where lukewarm comes in God's economy? Say it with me. Hot. Cold. Very good. Lukewarm. He was, he was someone who considered himself a Christian. And he's sitting in church on one of the days when he went. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him and said, Nick, you've just missed 96% of what it means to be a Christian. Now, when God ever speaks to you or me, it's never to condemn us, whether it's a question or whether it's a statement, it's always an invitation. Right. It's an invitation That's to right. come, come to him, yeah, to, to, to press forward. And so at the end of that service, Nick got out of his seat and he went forward for his own altar call time 
And when he was prayed for, um, he hit the deck and he spent about 20 minutes, he said, on the carpet. And he got up a changed man, completely changed. His wife said she had to get used to a new husband because he was so radically changed in many different aspects. And one of the main things that he was changed in, that as he was still being a businessman, he owns a, a juice plant and a lot of the juice things we buy in the supermarkets, Nick's, Nick's one of those producers and, and sellers. But, but his business is a blessed business. His family, he still has a family, he still does all the normal things, but he also has a supernatural ministry. He was turned into an evangelist from someone who wasn't an evangelist. And he had just has so much love in his heart, he can't not talk to people. When you go out anywhere with Nick, it's just fun to be around because he just engages with people, whether it's in a cafe or walking down the street or anywhere. He's always talking to people. And as often as he can, he fulfills the mission and the ministry that God gave him on that day. And it's to be an evangelist. You see, Nick understands something about Matthew 28, verse 19, where Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples. But what Jesus was saying, therefore, go about your normal life. Because all of us have got a normal life. And as you go, make disciples. See, it's not Wednesday evening from 7.30 to 8.30 on the street that we do the evangelism thing. It's as we go about our normal everyday life, we get opportunities to be able to interact with people. So as we go, and that's exactly what Nick does. You see, Jesus has said he will build his church, right? He'll build a community of people who will have the same redemptive task that he was given. And it'll have a focus upon the poor, and if you remember when I was preaching a few weeks ago, focus on the poor. In fact, the whole message of Jesus will be good news for anyone who's poor or in any sort of poverty. And we looked at the fact that every one of us is a prisoner. We're going to set prisoners free. But every person in the, on the planet alive today who is not a Christian is trapped in sin. They may not know it or not, but they've been trapped. They are a prisoner of something called sin that's around their life. And it keeps bringing destructive things into people's lives. We're to set people free. And then we're to be involved in helping people who are blind to be able to see. And, and there are many people who have physical or sickness issues that, that God says, learn how to do this stuff. That's why what we did a few moments ago is so important, because we're going to take it from here out there. And it's the out there, I think we will see the greatest miracles. And some of the fastest miracles will happen out there because God wants his glory to be known to people. But we have to overcome so much fear, concern, worry. But you know, when love starts to bubble up in our hearts and we begin to see Jesus did this, he prayed for people. He talked to them, first of all. He shared good news and he prayed for people. And he, and he came alongside people who were, who were stuck in any sort of oppressive situation. And that's exactly the mission that we have as well. And as we begin to realize that and love begins to come up in our, in our hearts, we're compelled to. Yeah. Not because we have to, but because we can. Yeah. It's, it's because... Flip, if I don't share with them, they could, they could spend another day in this circumstance. 
you know, and our love will actually be the thing that, that gets us going. And, and every one of us are to be involved in these things of sharing words with people and sharing power with people. And power comes when we're prepared to take a risk and to step out and to pray. And that's why this environment is so neat because it's, it's, it's taking the risk away. It's dropping that down. And I know that some of you have been prayed for who would never have come down the front to answer an altar call. But because the risk became something that's just normal and it's no longer a risk, you're willing to stand and to let people pray for you and just to see what God will do in your circumstances and my circumstance. And then there's action. Kim's asked us to get involved with action, where we're actually involved with people's lives. And that is a nine to three thing that we're doing. But that's not your action for the week. You don't get a tick done. Because God may have someone sitting at work who needs your help in some practical way. And the Bible says if we've got the ability to be able to help someone in any sort of way, we should take the time and actually go and do it. And share with them about what, what some of the motivation is on our heart that we're doing it because Jesus has changed us. And it gives the Holy Spirit opportunity to stay with that person and to remind them and to work on them. I love it when I hear people talk about why they're in church if they're a non-Christian or when they're a brand new Christian and they say, you know, six months ago this happened and this person came and they said this and this person came and they brought a meal and they helped with, with our need that we had at that time and you realize how God's been using people. And then the time comes and they say, I want to know that God too. Is that the story of anyone here today? Any of you gotten saved because God worked in your life, set you up over a period of time? Yeah. Come on, raise your hands up if that's you. Yeah. I wonder about the ones who are Christians and didn't have that experience. <laughs> How did it happen for you? Usually God does use people. Yeah. Sometimes it's just bang. But I think if you go back, you'll find that there are people releasing power over your life. Yeah. Sometimes even into the generation that's already gone. I went down to Ashburton Baptist um, two years ago and I prayed. I gave a prophetic word for the, that I felt God had for the church there and, and I called, I called the, um, the, the grey hairs, of which I'm one, <laughs> to pray the next generation in, to pray the grandchildren, to pray the grandchildren's age in as God's doing it. There's, so, there's somewhere, when someone gets saved, there's a whole backstory that's back there. And it's worth tracing yours out if you've never done it. Um, have, a, have a good look at it. Jesus calls us into this kingdom. And he wants to be the one in the kingdom who tells us what to do. Mostly, he doesn't want us to decide what we're going to do. And mostly, he doesn't want someone like me to tell you what you're going to do. He wants us to learn to know his voice and to listen to that voice until we hear him say something and then be obedient and do it. But all of the commissions that he gives to us, see, you don't have to be like Nick. You don't have to be an evangelist. Can anyone go? Because God's way of 
meeting people and using us is as diverse as there are people on the planet. He doesn't need a whole lot of nicks. He needs you and you and you and you and me to be us. And he will use us and he'll, he'll have put seeds of things within our lives and he'll put abilities within our lives that will enable you and me to be able to do the very thing that he wants us to do. But it will all involve speaking. It's a half-truth, if not a wrong, to say that you can share Jesus without using words. You don't find it in the Bible. It's something that's come out of a quote that probably was misquoted from someone who lived in about the second century or third century. All of us need to use our mouths. And all of us need, will, will be involved in praying for people and releasing power into people. And all of us will be involved in doing practical things of help into people's lives that just opens people up and, 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 and gives the opportunity to do the first two things even more. And you know, that the really neat thing is that I find in this church, more and more and more people are getting it. They say, yeah, I know, that's Christianity. But can I tell you for just a moment about what has been identified in America as the fastest growing religion? And it's not um, Christianity, it's not Islam, it's not Buddhism, it's not even Amway or Tupperware. <laughs> it's something called MTD. And they've named it this. M stands for moralistic, and T for therapeutic, and D for deism. Moralistic, therapeutic, deism. Do you want to have a go at that? Moralistic, therapeutic, deism. This is what it means. These are people who are serving a God who calls them to live morally good lives. Now, no one would complain against that. To be a moral person is a good thing for a person to do. But it's the way that it's done. Therapeutic means that they are going after healthy lives and happy lives where they feel good about themselves. That's their religion. It's going after healthy, happy lives where you feel good about yourself. And deism, meaning that they believe there is a God, but he's not very interested in our actual day-to-day -day lives. So what you have, you have a religion about being good, living well, with a me focus. And what they have found in America is that this religion is growing rampantly within churches. And I suspect it's exactly the same in New Zealand. Many Christians who think it's all about living a good life where I'm happy and I learn all sorts of self-fulfillment things and principles from the Bible that help me to live like that. And yes, there's a God, but I don't know very much about him at all and I'll probably, I'll probably get to know him more one day in heaven. Moralistic, therapeutic deism is a watered-down version of Christianity that is growing across the planet. It sounds a little bit like the life focused on now with cl about clothes and food and money that I read about in the very beginning. It can be one of the results of taking and, uh, uh, under thinking that the Christianity is all about the gospel of salvation. That once I'm saved, I'm just waiting for heaven. And it might be 30 years, it might be 40 years, it might be a whole lot, many more years. But I'm saved, so basically all I've got to do is live a good life and wait until heaven. But what Jesus called people to is nothing like that. 
Jesus told people, if you follow me, I'll lead you into a Christianity that is completely different from comfort. He preached the kingdom of God is here now. And you can see it, you can enter it, you can be a part of it. And the kingdom of God, although it's about getting people to heaven, and we do need to get um, uh, right with Jesus, part of which gives us heaven in the future, but it's mostly about bringing the resources of heaven, the plans of heaven, the purposes of heaven, the power of heaven, the inventions that haven't been invented yet that are stored up in heaven for Christians to be able to pull down to earth to bring blessing on their own life and the lives of every single other person around them. Yeah. See, the focus is, is this, but it's so much more this, of bringing heaven down. Yeah. And we as Christians are part of that sort of kingdom, and it requires cost, it requires energy, it requires commitment, it requires us to, to, um, to want God more than anything else to hear his voice, to get into his kingdom and to obey the king. I want to just give you a couple of thoughts before I close about, um, I might have said that just a fraction early, by the way, (laughs) about this kingdom. The very first thing he says is that we are to seek it. We are to seek this kingdom first. Now, sometimes instructions are a bit confusing and complex. When I was, Sandra and I were traveling overseas, we wanted to go see my sister in England for a few days. And so we, we um, researched. We were landing in Stanton Airport, and I, I got on Google Maps, and I got on the airport things, and I could see walkthroughs of where everything were. So we would land at Stanton, and then we would, when we came out of the arrival hall, to the left was a ticket dispenser, and we could buy tickets there if our card worked. And, and then we would go to the right, and we'd be looking for a way uh, that wound down to um, several levels down to a train, train platform. And I couldn't remember which platform it was as we were going, but Sandra remembered. And we were to catch a train to Liverpool Station. And when, once we got to Liverpool Station, we had to go up some stairs because I'd watched the walkthrough, and I was remembering this, and get into the... Um, into the big lobby of, of Liverpool Station, and, and then we had to loiter conspicuously somewhere for my sister to find us. And once she found us, we were safe, because then she would take us on the underground to where she lived, which was a huge number of trains and distance away. But I had this, we had this little bit of instructions, and so when we arrived, at, flew into Stanton Airport and touched on the tarmac, my stress levels go up because I'm trying to remember all these things of the instructions. I do this and then that. And, like, well, here's Jesus' instructions. Seek first the kingdom. And after that, second, and there is no second. There's just one instruction. Seek first the kingdom. Paul preached it. Philip preached it. Jesus preached it. It's all about his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. So what does that mean? It means we're in the kingdom. We're to seek for that kingdom to expand. We're to listen to the king. And we're to do what he says. And so it means we try to have times where we, each day where we spend time with God, listening to him, reading the word, Hearing from him. And the word, the word in my Bible, oh no, I've got a real one. The word in my Bible 
is the Logos. It tells us the truth of God's revelation to us. But we're to seek the Rima, the now word, the, the immediate word, the word of instruction from God in us. And we're to be reading not just for information, but we're to be reading that we can hear the voice of God as it comes through. And often when you hear people tell their testimony, they'll say, I was reading this and this just stood out to me. That's the Rima. That's the Rima of the word of God. Do you constantly get Rimas? Are you looking for Rimas? Because there's a king and the king's got a voice. So we're to seek first that kingdom. And then he's told us, as we go about, so that's the, probably the early morning or the late afternoon or evening period where we're trying to listen to the king. But then he said, when you go out, do the stuff that Jesus did. Share about Jesus. Share about the goodness of his gospel. Try to set, help people to come out of darkness, out of prison. If people are sick, especially if you feel a of the Holy Spirit saying, pray for that person. Take the risk. Have a go. Just love on them. You won't hurt them if it's done in a real loving, gentle way. And if you can help someone, then do the helping bit. Seeking first the kingdom. When you get up tomorrow, press repeat. Simple. Second thing is, and I've said some of this already, it's a relational kingdom. There really is a king who's alive. Remember the resurrection? He's still got this. He still speaks in here. We can hear him. It's a relational kingdom. But you know, the way we've been trained with our Western anti-supernatural mindset is to try and forget the king and just figure out the rules and the principles. And we tend to make relationship become rules. That's our problem. We forget about the fact, no, he, he can talk to us. And we try to make it all rules. You know, if you want to think about a clock, around the hands where they go on each of the hours, on each of the places, there can be parts of life, like um, whether you get married or not. Uh, children, finances, evangelism, prophecy. The hands can come around all these things that are part of a person's life, right? Their career. What career are you going to be involved in? When should I move? The hands can come around. And we can focus on the outside things of each of these stations, but the kingdom of God is like the center where the hands cross in the middle of the clock. And Jesus is saying, if you focus on this part, all of these will fall into place. If you focus on this part, seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will be given, the Bible says. Isn't that amazing? The third thing is kingdom expansion is linked to kingdom prayers. We're told to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come down onto the earth. And this is how we should pray. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. And as we come across people in trouble, or we get ourselves in trouble, or find ourselves in trouble, it's our prayers that will open up the resources of heaven into their circumstances or our lives. And here's the fourth thing. The kingdom comes from the realm of the Spirit. I wonder if the music team could come. This is the hardest part for some people. 
It's, it's been 30 years that I've been involved in opening Baptists up to the realm of the Spirit. Because we, we had a theology that said that's not for us many years ago. But every one of us can become familiar and comfortable with the spirit realm and even the Holy Spirit himself. And as I said, our, the way we've been trained has an anti-supernatural bias to it. We just got that through the education system. It tries to get us to bring it down to rules and principles, but the spirit realm doesn't come from here. Yongi Cho called it the fourth dimension. You know we're three-dimensional, right? Have you ever thought how cool it would be to be only two-dimensional? <laughs> to be this, this size, but when I turn sideways, I'm this thick. Imagine when you want to get to that lift, and you're sprinting towards it, and the doors are closing. How many more lifts you could catch? <laughs> and in. But we're three. But actually, we're four. And we can travel anywhere around the globe and come in contact with Christians, all sorts of um, nationalities, any nationality in the, in the world, and we can click with them just like that because there's a dimension where we're absolutely the same. We serve the same king. We're part of the same kingdom. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And you know, Jesus Christ, the Christ part, as I've been saying over the last couple of weeks, is not his last name. The Christ part is a title. It means Messiah in the Hebrew, and the Hebrew um, Messiah means anointed one. And if you know your Bible in, in uh, 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 that book, in chapter 1, it says, <laughs> in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, it says that Jesus pours the Holy Spirit out upon us. He's the anointed one who pours out. But the agent of the anointed one who pours out onto us, Jesus is in heaven. But the agent of Jesus who pours out onto us is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he will pour anointings upon our lives. We had an anointing here this morning as we were worshiping. Anointings don't stay the same. They come in different ways as God is doing different things. Um, Ethan had the anointing on him, which was touching him and raising his, his uh, head. His sister Zoe, for many years as she was worshipping, would uh, say to her, her mum and dad, I feel rain falling on my head while I'm standing like this worshipping. I can feel it. And they just said to her, you're being anointed. God is just anointing your life. He's making your life better. It's there. Here's my point. John, in, the, in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, said there are many antichrists active in the world. And Christians can align with Satan himself when we push the anointed one and his agent, the Holy Spirit, away. We become antichrist. We become anti-anointing. We become anti-empowerment. And we think we're doing a wonderful thing, but we are aligning ourselves with the work of the enemy because the kingdom comes from the realm of the Spirit. And it's not a scary realm. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, we can trust the Holy Spirit because He is God and therefore He is good. And he only does good things. And most of us are scared of the Holy Spirit because we think he's going to bust us. We 
know what we did yesterday or said yesterday or thought yesterday. And now we're in God's presence and we think if we really get close to the Holy Spirit, he will expose us. It's not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's good and he only does good things. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is bringing righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, he doesn't want to convict you of sin, although he will, he will bring sin to mind to us that we can put it right, but what he wants to convict us of is the, is the righteousness that we have in Christ and the joy and the peace that, that is ours. And so anointings will come in that sort of way. But we have to seek his kingdom on a daily basis. And I want us now just to have a time where we do, where we do that. We've got enough time just to spend 10 minutes just in seeking God's kingdom. And I want to ask you some questions because all of us on, in our openness to the Spirit are in different positions. I want to ask you firstly, how open are you to the Spirit realm, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit? How much do you value time with him? And then I want to ask you, what has the king been saying to you? Like, what were his last instructions to you? What did he last say to you? And the question is, have you done what he said? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Jesus was God, but his whole ministry began when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Came down like a dove over his life. And everything began. History tells us, um, you can look at the disciples, you can look at modern day people's lives. Their ministry begins when they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is the part of the kingdom. He brings the kingdom. It's the, the kingdom is in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And what about the human part? How open to you are you? How, how open are you to sharing about Jesus with people out there? How open are you to taking risks to pray for people who are obviously sick and in need? And how, how much are you open to helping people that you come across or I come across on our daily walk where we see that we could actually do something to help that person? Will we walk past or do, or do you take the time to do something? So let's stand. There's an old song that was around in the, called a, oh, I won't tell you, Orange Book of Songs of Praise, called Seek Ye First the Kingdom of God. Can we just go with that? I think there'll be enough here who, who know it. But I just want to really encourage you, why don't you just spend some time, cut other people out in whatever way you best can, but let's just seek first the King and His Kingdom in a short time of worship.